I think we're all naturally curious about where we came from. I'm, I'm told that a kid, uh, yeah, about four or five years of age, that's about the age when they start asking the question, uh, where do babies come from? I don't think that interest uh, diminishes over time. I think it actually intensifies. And how many of you, you don't have to raise your hands, have either purchased or have thought of purchasing a DNA test with Ancestry.com and uh, have tried to figure out where you came from and, and who your relatives were, who your ancestors were? I, I, I think that we're naturally curious about where we came from. And I think the reason why we're curious about where we came from is because where we came from has a way of helping us to understand who we are. I mean, where we came from can explain, you know, the color of our skin. It can, it can explain our, our temperament, perhaps. It can, it can explain a lot of things, the challenges, the struggles that we face. Where we came from has a huge impact on, on, on who we are. And this morning, we're going to start a journey. A journey in the, the book of Genesis. And Genesis is a book all about beginnings. It's a book all, just like the name would indicate, it's a story, it's a book about beginnings. It's the first of five books that Moses wrote. The others are Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. That's five altogether. And the New Testament makes that pretty clear that Moses is the author of, of Genesis and the other books that comprise the Pentateuch. And Moses wrote at an interesting time. He wrote at a time right after Israel had left the promised land in Egypt, where they heard a very different origin story. And it was at a time when they were about to head into the land of Canaan, and there they would also hear a different beginning, a different origin story. And so God wants his people at the very beginning to know who they are and where they came from. The book tells a story. And the story ultimately is the grand story. It is the story of, of God creating the world of human beings falling into sin, of God coming to rescue his loved ones through Jesus Christ. Genesis is about Jesus. Jesus said in Luke chapter 24 that everything Moses wrote was about him. It all pointed to Jesus. And so we're going to see this amazing book of beginnings and we're going to watch how Jesus emerges from this book, this grand story. But first, we begin at the beginning, the big beginning. And we are going to hear now chapter 1, verse one uh, verses 1 to 27. Jay's going to come and read this passage of scripture to us. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 31. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. He called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, 
Let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it, and it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let the dry ground appear, and it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vaults of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser night light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the vaults of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so.
And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. This is the word of the Lord. So I think it was about 10 years ago, a friend of mine invited me to an exhibit, a Picasso exhibit that was playing in the, in the city. And I got to the front door with my friend, and just as we were about to go into the exhibit, my, uh, my phone rang. And it was an urgent issue. I had to leave immediately. But I was faced with this dilemma. And the dilemma was, I, I clearly had to leave, but I was so close to Picasso. And I made up my mind. I made a decision. And the decision was this. <clears throat> I'm going to speed walk through the exhibit, and I did in 30 seconds. In 30 seconds, I, I walked past untold, like millions and millions of dollars, masterpieces, things from his, his blue period, the, the rose period, uh, drawings and sculptures, and I just, I just went through it. I, I sped through it in 30 seconds, and when I got out, my mind was spinning, I was overwhelmed, and I just said, wow, <laughs> wow. And really, that's what I hope is going to happen this morning, you know, at least on some level, even if on a small level this morning, as we look at this amazing story of creation, I, I can't cover everything this morning, we're speed walking. I'm probably not, I know I'm not going to interact with the more scientific elements. I'm not a scientist. Uh, I also don't think that Genesis chapter 1 is a scientific treatise. That's not its purpose. It's not anti-science. It's just not a scientific treatise. So I can't cover everything. I'm not a scientist. And we're probably going to miss a lot. Because we are speed walking. And you miss a lot when you speed walk. But all I want to do, here's my humble hope this morning, is just that we're going to walk through the story. And uh, by the time we're done, when we leave, maybe we'll be shaking our heads and saying, wow. I just, I hope that's it. I, I'm probably not going to, you know, engage in cultural, you know, issues. I'm probably not going to make extensive application. I'm just, I just want us to walk through Genesis chapter 1 and see the creator. And then say, Wow. Wow. So I've invited um, some help this morning to guide us through the tour of this ex exhibit. And uh, we're going to ask three questions. Who created the universe? Number two, how was the universe created? Number three, why was the universe created first? Who made the universe I know some of you are saying, um, duh, that's, it's God, that's the answer. Like a Sunday school answer, it, the answer is God. And, and yes, it is God. But that may not be obvious to everybody. But Genesis chapter 1 begins with these words, In the beginning, God. Barashit bara Elohim. Barashit bara Elohim. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In other words, he created the universe. Everything. God created the universe. And we're not like 
four words into the Genesis account, three in the Hebrew, where we meet God. And it's as though God is making a point here, and I think he is. He is saying, I and I alone am God. I and I alone am the creator. I am at the center of everything, everything. We call him God. His name in the Hebrew is Elohim. And Elohim because he is powerful and mighty. His name is construed in the plural because he is majestic, because he is sovereign, because he is supreme. And yet, and yet, he allows us to take his name on our lips. He identifies himself as Elohim. He invites us to use that name to address him. He's not aloof. He's not distant. He is near. He is sovereign, but he is imminent. He is the one true living God of heaven and earth. Everywhere, everywhere in this account, he has signed his name. 32 times he has signed his name. And he has signed his name because that's what an artist does when they create. They sign their name. And they sign their name because that signature means this is mine. This belongs to me. And I want you to know that this belongs to me. And I want you to interact with what I have made. I talked with a composer this week, and we were talking about the idea of of signing your work. And we agreed that, that one of the reasons why an artist signs his work, her work, is because they want to interact with the audience. His name is Elohim. His name is God. There is one God, and this is that God. And this God is the creator of heaven and earth. You, you can't really know anything. You, you, you can't really know who you are. You, you can't really know what your purpose is here on earth unless you understand Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. You can't. I mean, if, if you don't understand this, you're living your life as though you're opening a book halfway, going into a movie partway. There's no context to your life. Genesis chapter 1 gives you the context. It tells you where you came from. It tells you who you are. Who are you? You have been created by one sovereign God, Elohim. Glory. Well, that's briefly who created the universe. But let's go and talk about something else. Let's talk about how he did it. How did God create the heavens and the earth? And there are two ways we can do this. Two ways. One would be for me to walk through each of the days and explain everything in it. But we're speed walking, right? We're speed walking this morning and we don't have the time. There's no time. So instead, here's what we'll do. 
I want us to look at a few big ideas that just jump out of the passage and just let them guide us through this passage. Like what? Like this. That God created the world out of nothing. And that he created this world out of nothing by the power of his word. And in the span of six days. And everything was very good. Okay? So, he creates the world out of nothing. That's crazy. Without any reference point. Without any inspiration to draw from. Without any pre-existing material. God made what was not into something that was. He brought everything into existence. He says to the light, light be, and the light comes forth. There's no debate. There's no argument. There's no conversation. It just simply happens. Amazing. Amazing. God creates everything out of nothing. Some of you this morning are here and you would probably identify yourself as a particularly special person, an extraordinarily gifted individual. Would you? <laughs> I defy you to try this. I defy you to try and make something out of nothing. You can't. You can't. You can't do this. This is God, and this is what God and only God can do. He makes the world, the universe, out of absolutely nothing. <laughs> nothing. And by the power of his word, he speaks, and it happens. Let there be light, and there's light. Let there be day, there's day. Let there be mountains. Let there be clouds. Let there be fish. And everything he says happens. It does. Incredible. Your words are powerful. I have no doubt. I have no doubt that you can use your words to influence and impact people. But I tell you this. You can never by your words create anything. Someone's got to help. And you definitely can't create something out of nothing. This is the province of God. And God alone. God makes everything out of nothing just by speaking it into existence. Glory. Wow. And he does it in the space of six days. Six days. There's a lot of debate as to how long these days were. Were they 24-hour periods of time? Like solar days? Normal days? Or were they long days? Extended periods of time? I'm not going to answer that debate this morning we are speed walking this morning besides i think that the text itself tells us something more interesting and that is not how long the days were but how many days there were god says in this passage there are six days why six why did god make the universe why did god make the earth in six days he could have made it in one, yes. Why did he choose to make it in six? Why six? And I think the answer is here in our, our story. But we've got to go back to verse one. Because verse one is the first day of creation. The first day of creation doesn't happen later down. The first day of creation begins with 
darkness. It begins with what he will call night. And darkness, by the way, is a part of creation. It's not the absence of creation. God creates darkness. There's darkness on day one. Verse one. Darkness. And God creates the heavens and the earth. The entire universe. But verse two tells us the condition of the earth after that initial act of creation. Does that make sense? Verse 2 tells us what the earth looked like after God had made the heavens and the earth track with me. And the word the word says here that the earth was formless and void or empty and that darkness was hovering over the surface of the deep. The earth was submerged under the water. God says, God sees that the world, the world was formless and it was empty. Toho vabaho. That's the Hebrew. I say that because there's something beautiful about those words. There's a haunting beauty. Toho vabaho. Formless and empty. And what we see God doing in the six days of creation is taking what has no form and what is empty and creating form and filling that form. He creates form on days one, two, and three. He fills the form on days four, five, and six. What he forms on day one, he fills on day four. What he forms on day two, he fills on day five. What he forms on day three, he fills on day six. I'll show you. At the dawn of the first day, God creates light. The light does not eradicate the darkness. The light limits the darkness. God creates light. Let there be light and there's light. But there's also darkness. The form. On day four, God fills, he fills the light. We don't know what the light was. It's unspecified. But on day four, God puts the lights in the heaven to separate darkness from light. He forms and he fills. Do you see that? On day two, God separates the waters and creates sky. He separates the waters above and the waters below. What the waters are above, I don't know. But he separates them and sky appears. On day five, on day five, God fills the form by creating creatures that swim through the water and creatures that fly through the air. On day three, God forms the dry land. It emerges from the depths. He separates and gathers the waters all together. And dry land appears. And then on day six, he fills that form by calling into existence animals and human beings. But that's another sermon. He forms and he fills. He forms and he fills. He forms and he fills. Why? Because he is the artist. He is the consummate artist. And this is how artists create form and fill. It, it's how the architect designs and builds. It's how, it's how the, the baker 
bakes pies. It's how the student writes essays. It's how the artist paints. Form and fill. Form and fill. Question. What is the most famous painting in the world? The Mona Lisa. Do you know how Leonardo da Vinci painted the Mona Lisa? Here's how he didn't paint it. He didn't take that panel of wood, that small panel of wood, and begin to paint her mouth. He didn't do that. He took that panel, he laid a ground on it, maybe two. And once that was done, he took his brush and began to map out the dimensions of Mona Lisa. And after the dimensions and the proportions were there, then he begins to go in on the eyes, the nose, and those lips. (laughs) Those lips. Form and fill. Form and fill. Form and fill. In six days, this is how he builds the world. And it's so good. It's so good. It's tov. That's the Hebrew word, tov. And sometimes that word means something like moral perfection. God is good and upright. But sometimes the word tov, that big, big word, can mean that which is beneficial, that which is helpful, that which has utility. And this is the world that we live in. This world we live in works. <laughs> it works together. It benefits us. It benefits. But there's another meaning to Tov. And I think it's also here in our passage. Tov means beauty. It means that which is exquisite. It's that which catches the eyes. It's that which makes you do a double take. And this world, God said, is tov. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Have you ever, like, really seriously picked up a piece of dirt and held it in your hands and just looked at it? Have you ever let water just drip through your fingers? Have you ever looked up into the sky and been amazed by that azure blue? Have you ever looked at a bird, I mean, just flying through the air? Have you ever looked at an elephant, that lumbering, awkward thing, and just said, glory, glory? This is the artist standing back from his creation, looking at what he's done and saying, it's good. You ever made something? You ever made something you're so proud of? Ever made something you're so proud of and you just step back from it and you say, that is good. (laughs) This is God delighting, delighting in what he's made. Why? Why did he do it? Why did he make this universe? Why did he make it out of nothing by the power of his word in six days and all very good? Why did he do that? What's the point? Here's the point. He did it for his glory. He did it to show his glory. He did it to reveal himself. It's not all about us. We're in the picture, 
But it's not all about us. It's all about him. It's about his glory. It's about a God who loves to show his glory. The heavens declare the glory of God. Psalm 19, Romans chapter 1 tells us that the whole world shows his invisible qualities, his divine power, his divinity. God wants to be seen and known and, 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 and awed and, and, and glorified by us. Amazing. And some may say that's egotistical. Is this God so needy that he needs our worship? He doesn't need our worship, but he invites us to worship him. He does. And what, ama- what is amazing is that God's glory and our enjoyment are not two distant things. They're complementary. They work together. They're hand in glove. You see, when God is glorified, when God is shown and known to be the awesome creator of heaven and earth, we say awesome. We are struck by the awesomeness of God in creation. We are. And when we fail to see the God who has created and focus only and live only for the things here and now, the stuff he's made, we miss it. And we miss the awe that we were always designed to enjoy. God made you. And he made you for himself. And he made this world for you, and he made it for him, and he made it so that we can enjoy him and know him forever. And man, if this world, broken as it is because of sin, is so good and so glorious, imagine what it was like when God first made it. I just really wanted us to spend some time in this chapter this morning and I uh I don't know if I accomplished what I set out to do but I um I hope that you're able to say wow this morning we live in a great world made by a great creator can we not this morning say wow can we not this morning just shake our heads as we look around this world? And can we not be in awe of this great God who made heaven and earth? Let's say it together. Wow. Father in heaven, we glorify your name. We worship you. We are in awe of you. We confess that you are the one who made it all. Nothing that exists was not made from by you. You made it all when there was nothing but you. And you made it all, Father, for your glory. You made it all so that we would delight in you as creator God. And we pray, Father, that we would all have those eyes this morning. To see not just the creation, but the creator. And to move in that direction. To move in the direction of awe. God, we want to be thrilled by you. We want to be amazed by you. Thank you this morning for the story. 
the beginning of the story of all stories, the beginning of the story of our lives. Thank you for helping us to see this morning where we came from and who we are. Just thank you so much for this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.